Welcome to the Jumpstart Your Faith podcast channel, where you will receive the essential tools to take your faith to the next level. I am your host, Brian Ratliff, and I currently pastor Clearbrook Baptist Church in Roanoke, Virginia. Here is the latest message preached from one of our services. Grab your Bible, pen, notepad, and get ready to jumpstart your faith. In 1934, an evangelist by the name of Mordecai Ham was preaching in Charlotte, North Carolina. And he was an evangelist who traveled all over the United States of America. And at some points, he probably went out of the country and preached the gospel of Jesus Christ. And there were times when multitudes would come to hear him preach and multitudes would receive Christ as Savior. But he was preaching a meeting in Charlotte, North Carolina, and he noticed two young men came to his service and they decided instead of sitting in the seats like you're sitting, they were going to sit up, sit up in the choir loft uh, so they wouldn't have to look at the preacher face to face. And after the service, those two young men, one of them in fact, uh, didn't like what was being said. He didn't like the fact that the preacher was preaching that salvation was by grace and if you don't receive Christ as Savior, you're going to spend eternity in a devil's hell. And so he left that meeting and decided that he wasn't going to go back. And he went home, went to bed, and he went up the next day and went on his routine. And the Holy Spirit of God began to recall to his memory the things that were preached about that last night. And so that young man decided he was going to go back to that service the second night. And during that second night, the guy's name was Billy. And he walked the aisle, and he trusted Christ as Savior. You might know him as Billy Graham. And now listen, you can say what you want to about Billy Graham, um, but let me say this, that God used that man and has used that man in a great way to share the gospel with more people than any of us in here combined would ever share the gospel to. And that evening, Mordecai Ham was preaching, and I'm sure he was discouraged of those two young men, how they were that first night. But, but then they came back the second night, and the first, Billy trusted Christ as Savior, and his friend rededicated his life to Jesus Christ. And this, this, this morning, as I've been meditating in 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, I begin to think about how this thought, and, and if I label with anything today, and, and if you walk away with any thought, I want you to walk away with my sermon title thought today. You cannot sow God's word in vain. You cannot sow God's word in vain. Whether you're a preacher like Mordecai Ham of yesterday preaching in tent meetings, or whether you're a Sunday school teacher here at Clearwood Baptist Church, or you, you're preaching and teaching in some other way, shape, or form, you cannot sow the word of God in vain. You know, I am so blessed to announce. I just have to praise the Lord this morning. May I testify this morning of how good God is? Our church, Clearwood Baptist Church, was used by God to invest in 400 Bibles this past Christmas. I think we ought to give God a praise and a clap and say thank you, Lord, for that. And if you do the math, that, er, that in six years, these Gideon King James Bibles that are placed in hotels, in six years, it would reach over 800,000 people. Talk about an investment. That's just in six years. And then they take them and they put them in jails so that people could, who are incarcerated, they can read them and, and be benefited spiritually. So, so the impact of those 400 Bibles from our church has an eternal impact. And may I say this today, that we as a church will never, ever sow God's word in vain. 
You as an individual will never sow the word of God in vain. And so as we come to 1 Thessalonians, we are uh, continuing our sermon series entitled Preparing for Christ's Return. And today's thought is very simple. You cannot sow God's word in vain. Whether you're making Facebook posts or, or tweeting about it on Twitter or putting stuff on Instagram or, or any other avenue of social media or whatever platform, you cannot sow God's word in vain. Preparing for Christ's return begins by understanding you cannot sow the word of God in vain. Last week we looked at chapter 1. The emphasis of this uh, book of the Bible is an instruction uh, uh, of, of a righteousness, of holy living. And the Apostle Paul is writing to try to, to uh, answer questions about death, about the afterlife, about the rapture of, of the saints of God and the return of Jesus Christ. And in the midst of this letter, in these 12 verses of the Bible, as I've been meditating in them, I believe the key thought is you cannot sow God's word in vain. And so today I want to share with you these thoughts. I have five requirements for sowing the message of salvation. And so my key question that I want to ask today and answer is this. What does sowing God's word require? And as I've been meditating in these 12 verses, I wrote down five requirements for sowing the message of salvation. Will you come with me as we move through verses 1 and 2? I wrote down this thought. Sowing the message of salvation requires contention. As I read verses 3 through 6, I wrote down secondly, sowing the message of salvation requires communication. As I read verses 7 and 8, I wrote down thirdly, sowing the message of salvation requires compassion. As I read verse number 9, I wrote down this thought, sowing the message of salvation requires construction. And then as I wrote down lastly from verses 10 through 12, Sowing the message of salvation requires consecration. Will you come with me as we journey through this passage of Scripture, these magnificent 12 verses about how we cannot sow God's word in vain. Look at verses 1 and 2. Remember this thought. Point number one is this. Sowing the message of salvation result, requires, excuse me, contention. I'll say it one more time, one more, one more time if, just in case you're taking notes. Sowing the message of salvation requires contention. Look at verse number one. It says, for yourselves, brethren. So remember this word brethren means the brothers and sisters who are saved, who have been saved by the grace and mercy of God. And by the way, if you have not received salvation, you need to do so before it's eternally too late. We find that here he's writing these believers, uh, as we've looked at last week in verse number one, all these saints that are in Thessalonica. And he says... For yourselves, brethren, know our entrance in unto you that it was not in vain. So we believe that the Apostle Paul and Silas and, and perhaps even Timothy was, was in Thessalonica for about 30 days. Give or take a little bit, as little as three weeks and the most six months, the commentators say, but most of them reside on 30 days. And he says, hey, even though we were there for 30 days, our short time spent was not meaningless, it was not empty, and it was not vain. And I'm thankful today that it doesn't matter how little of an opportunity or how great of an opportunity you have to share the good news of Christ, it is never in vain. Verse number two, the Apostle Paul moves forward, and here's where I want to focus for just a few minutes. But even after that we had suffered before and were shamefully entreated, as ye know, at Philippi. 
Now, let's pause right here. Before we finish this verse, in order to understand what the Apostle Paul is saying in verse number 2, you have to study in its context. And if you know anything about the book of Acts, you know that Acts chapter 16 is when the Apostle Paul went to Philippi. In fact, he received a vision. And by the way, if you ever come to me and say you received a vision from God last night that you were dreaming, I'm going to ask you a couple different things. Probably, I'm going to ask you, what, what did you eat for dinner? And has somebody spiked your drink? Uh, but anyways, God works in a little bit different way than he did during the time period of the, of the book of Acts. But the Apostle Paul received a vision from God saying, go to Macedonia. And one of the cities in Macedonia is a city called Philippi. So they go through a few different cities. They, they get in to Philippi. They go to a river. And as they're there at the river, they're teaching the word of God and preaching the gospel. And a lady by the name of Lydia overhears what was going on. And she comes and she receives Christ as Savior. And then her entire household gets saved. And, and they're baptized, we were told, in Acts 16. And then she brings them into their home. And then they were having a prayer meeting. And their prayer meeting was interrupted by a person possessed by a demonic spirit. And listen, I know we're a Baptist church. But if you think that demonic spirits are not alive and well today, you need to rethink your theology and reread the New Testament and the Word of God. Because demonic possession and oppression is alive and well in 2018. And we find that that demonic spirit was cast out. And then some of the leaders in the city heard about what was going on. And they came and brought Paul and Silas to the magistrates. And they beat them and whipped them. And threw them in prison. And you know the story from here, how the earthquake happens and shook the place. The jail bursts open and the jailer is afraid. That he's, he, he, the Bible literally gives the context that he was going to kill himself because if the, the, the inmates were gone, then, then uh, he was going to be in big time trouble. But Paul said, hey, we're all here. And he comes in and says, sirs, what must I do to be saved? And, and they say, believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved. And it says, and thy house. And so he received Christ the Savior. The jailer brought them back to his household and his household accepted Christ the Savior. And then they were baptized. And listen, you have never served God fully until you did what this jailer did. He brought Brother Paul into his household and they brought meat to the table. So if you really want to serve God in 2018, you're going to bring meat to the table of your pastor. <laughs> In the Greek, that word meat means fried chicken and watermelon <laughs> and pumpkin pie. All right, I'm just kidding. Anyways, uh, they brought meat to the table. They had a meal. And then uh, the, some of the leaders send word to the jailer's home and says, let these men go. And the apostle Paul says, are you crazy? They publicly abused us and whipped us and threw us in jail. They are going to come and take us and release us. And they found out they were Romans, and they began to get afraid. And that's what was going on when the Apostle Paul is writing 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse number 2. He says, remember, we were shamefully entreated. Have you ever been ashamed and shamefully or shamefully entreated? The Apostle Paul was publicly beaten and bruised and whipped. 
and threw in jail, all because he was sharing the gospel of Jesus Christ. And there may come a day and time when that will happen to you, or it may happen to me. But the Bible says that even though they were shamefully entreated when they were at Philippi, verse number 2 says, We were bold in our God to speak unto you the gospel of God with much contention. So I wrote down this thought, Sowing the message of salvation requires contention. Extra, extra, read all about it. When you share the gospel, some people are going to get mad. When you share the gospel, some people are going to get offended. When you share the gospel, some people are going to get frustrated and they might throw some rotten bananas, apples, and oranges at you. But rest assured, you're doing it because God has commanded us to do it. Verses 1 and 2 reveal... Sowing the message of salvation requires contention. There's going to be a time where somebody is not going to be willing to receive that message. Preach it anyway. Preach it even though there's going to be contention. The Bible says, and you, you know this verse, we've talked about it before, but it says in Timothy that, that if you want to live godly in Christ Jesus, you shall suffer persecution. This word contention gives uh, the context of some type of trial, or tribulation as a result of sharing the gospel, and whether that is persecution or whatever, that is exactly what's being meant by this one simple word. Now, with the first thought in mind, sowing the message of salvation requires contention. I'm going to share with you from verses 3 through 6 a second thought, but remember the key thought today. You cannot sow God's word in vain. Verses 3 through 6 reveals this. Sowing the message of salvation requires communication. Sowing the message of salvation requires communication. Look at verse 3. It says, for our exhortation. You know what that word means? It means to communicate. It means to stand up somewhere publicly and communicate with words a special message. And you know the message that the Apostle Paul was communicating when he came to Thessalonica. It was the message that Jesus died on Calvary's cross for, every, for, for the sin of the world. And he, and in fact, First uh, John says that he uh, was the propitiation not for our sins only, but also for the sins of the world, the entire world. And so here he says that Jesus Christ placed upon the sins of humanity upon his shoulders and that he was buried in a borrowed tomb and he rose again so that all could receive eternal life. And he says that was our exhortation. And it says it was not of deceit. He was not trying to trick anybody. He was not trying to deceive anybody. It says he was not of uncleanness. It was not with an immoral intent. And it says, nor in guile, a synonym for deceit. His message was a pure message to share God's word so that others could receive Christ as Savior. And that's the same way we are to communicate the gospel today. You know the statistic. I don't know how true these statistics are these days, but, but when I was my freshman year, when I was studying for ministry, I read a, a, a book about evangelism from Alvin Reed, and it said 3 to 5% of Christians share their faith on a regular basis. Wouldn't it be great in 2018 that we shared our faith on a regular basis, and we became a church that was known for being 95 to 98 or 100% of our body sharing our faith on a regular basis. Verse 4 goes on to say, But as we were allowed of God to be put in trust with the gospel, which, by the way, this is a great opportunity. God does not have to use you, and he does not have to use me. But he has chosen us and allowed us to be bearers of the message of salvation. 
It says, but as we were allowed of God to be put in trust with the gospel, there is no higher calling in life than sharing the message of salvation. It reaps eternal rewards in heaven. It says, even so we speak, not as pleasing men, but God, which trieth our hearts. Listen, if I wanted to please men, I would rethink the message of the New Testament. If I was trying to take a message uh, to, to, you know, become uh, rich and famous and to get all the popular, uh, to become very popular in our world today, this is not the message that I would bank on. I would find something else. But here we find that he says they were not wanting to please men. They were wanting to please God. And so in 2018, the greatest way we can please God is to communicate the gospel with our words. In verse 5, it says, For neither at any time use we flattering words. In other words, hey, listen, they weren't speaking with great words of, of, of great wisdom and knowledge. A lot of these uh, early apostles, uh, apart from the Apostle Paul, some of them were educated, but a majority of them were common folk and they were not educated. And when they spoke, you could tell that, that they haven't been educated. And here it says that we spoke not with flattering words. Hey, you don't have to speak with, with enticing words, with man's wisdom, or with flattering words that will help uh, tickle your ears. It says, as you know, nor a cloak of covetousness. So when they spoke, they were not speaking with a lustful desire. It says, God is witness. Nor of men sought we glory. Our communication is to be for the gospel and for God's glory, not for our own. This is neither of you nor yet of others, when we might have been burdensome as the apostles of Christ. So secondly, I wrote down, sowing the message of salvation requires communication. You know what that means? That means you actually have to get out your phone. You have to actually share something online. It means you have to either do it through your phone, you know, through social media, or you have to open up your mouth and communicate the gospel verbally. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, you actually speak the words from, from your heart to your mind to your mouth. It means we have to open up our mouths and allow the words to fly. Now, I know some of y'all here today are very good at letting some words fly out of that mouth. And... I'm a preacher, so obviously if you get me going on certain topics, I will talk to you for 24 hours a day, seven days a week, and you'll want to just try to get away from me as soon as possible. But I'm here to tell you, God wants us all to communicate this message of Jesus Christ with our mouths. Sowing God's word is the greatest thing we could do in 2018. It requires contention. It requires communication, but I want to share with you from verses 7 and 8 a third thought. Sowing the message of salvation requires compassion. Sowing the message of salvation requires compassion. One thing that really bothers me is when preachers get up and they preach with hateful spirit and words. And in fact, I've listened to a lot of preachers over the years, and sometimes when I listen to them, I get the connotation that they are happy. People are going to die and spend eternity in hell. <laughs> and that should not be the case. We shouldn't be happy that loved ones or friends or acquaintances or other people across the world would spend eternity in a devil's hell. In fact, what we are called to do is we are called to share this message with love. The Apostle Paul wrote to Ephesus and he says, but speaking the truth in love. Look at verse 7. But we were gentle among you, even as a nurse cherisheth her children. 
So here, this word nurse seems to imply that it's referring to a mother. But you know that if you go to the hospital and, you know, God lays it on different people's hearts and minds to, to different vocations and different um, careers. And nurses have a high calling and they do a lot of work. And, and here they are oftentimes the ones within the hospital that are caring uh, on a regular basis for some of the patients in those hospitals and it says here that that as a nurse whether a mother in a household or a nurse in a hospital it says they cherish her children so whether it's a children uh, from a household or children in a hospital we find that they are gentle and listen if you ever go to the hospital and the nurse slaps you listen you obviously don't want that nurse for sure no way you want one that is going to be gentle and it says verse 8 he makes a connection of how a nurse cherishes her children. So being affectionately desirous of you, we were willing to have imparted unto you not the gospel of God only, but also our own souls, because you were dear unto us. What biblical Christianity, what modern Christianity needs today is love. That's what's missing in a lot of churches. It's with missing in a lot of denominations. I don't care what your denominational tag is. If you don't have love, you don't have God. The Bible says that, that we love Him because He first loved us. The Bible tells us that, that if we do not have a love, if we don't demonstrate love, then how can the love of God be in us? Today is just a reminder that this new year, it's about loving people and sharing God's word compassionately to them. That's what they did then. Let's move forward. We've looked so far in verses 1 through 8. We've looked at three thoughts. What does sowing God's word require? Well, it requires contention. It requires communication. It requires compassion. But I wrote down fourthly from one verse, verse number 9. I wrote in this fourth thought. Sowing the message of salvation requires construction. Sowing the message of salvation requires construction. Look at verse 9 of 1 Thessalonians chapter 2. It says, For ye remember, brethren, our labor and travail, for laboring night and day, because we would not be chargeable unto any of you, we preached unto you the gospel of God. You know, I say this respectfully, but I, I know I am a part of a generation who... who thinks differently than maybe the generation that, that you might be a part of. And I know that, that listen, I have been swept up by some of the, the stuff within my generation, and I know that, that for the most part, the majority of my generation demands everybody give them everything. I understand that, I get that, and I'm not trying to be mean or hateful or anything. It's just really the honest truth when you begin to look and research and study how my generation and the one that's following operates. And there's one thing that a lot of folks my age and younger are missing in their lives is good old-fashioned hard work. And let me share this with you today. You know what it takes? You know what I've learned in this line of work? I don't always work with my hands, okay? Listen, if you give me a hammer and a nail, I'm going to be like, uh, I'm not for sure what to do. <laughs> in fact, uh, I do know what a Phillips screwdriver is and what a flathead or whatever it's called. You know, my dad taught me all that stuff. I know what it looks like. I know which one to go get to. Now, remember, you got to understand, my dad was, uh, was telling me, hey, Brian, I want you to go get the Phillips screwdriver. So I would go, I, honest to God, God is my witness, as verse uh, number five says. 
God is my witness. I would go in like three to five times. I would get the wrong screwdriver every time. And so finally, I guess my dad just got tired of trying to teach me all this stuff. He said, Brian, just go back to your room and play your video games. <laughs> Anyways, uh, so I share all that with you to say this, that, that hey, even though I might not have, uh, in my occupation, I may not be out, you know, doing uh, the manual labor, but what this occupation is, it's called mental labor. And let me tell you something, it will wear on you. You can ask Brother Dave, you can ask Brother Andrews, you can ask Pastor Rich, you can ask some of the others here. And listen, the work of God is called the work of God because it requires work. Yes, there's times where we got to get out and we got to go on the highways and hedges and compel people to come and to hear God's word, but it requires work. And they went and they worked. And in fact, the Apostle Paul didn't want to be charged to their account. So not only were they out sharing God's word, but he was also a tent maker. Apparently, there was people in Thessalonica saying that, hey, you are out sharing this message for deceit, for covetousness, so that you can put money in your pockets. And he said, listen, hey, you know that we do not do that. We came to you and we went out afterwards and we worked our tip making business. And here we find that he says they labored, uh, they labored and travailed and night and day. You know as well as I do, if you start a business or if you go into the medical field, or if you go into whatever kind of field it is, it requires work. And in fact, if you start your business and you have your own uh, business in a sense, there's times where you never have a day off. And I'm sure that's what the Apostle Paul was thinking here. And, and as he's recalling this, he says they labor night and day. And if you read the book of Acts and you read the New Testament epistles, you find out the Apostle Paul didn't take a lot of vacations. He was always advancing the gospel. Why, though? Because we would not be chargeable unto any of you. We preach, this word means to herald forth. So if you could just imagine with me, somebody holding a microphone in the center of the square and turning the volume up and sharing a message. That's exactly what this word preached means. It means to herald forth. And it says, the gospel of God. It requires work, my dear friends. You know, when I was in my, I don't know why I ended up taking this class, but I was taking architectural and engineering in eighth grade at the Cassie Center in Rocky Mount. And the only thing I can really remember from that classroom, from that class, is there was one girl in our class, and my teacher asked her to lay on the table. And then we all took just our pointer fingers and put it underneath her, and we all lifted her up, and she was as light as a feather. The principle is this, is that when you get into ministry and you try to do it all on your own, it's a lot of work, and it's very burdensome, and it's hard. But when we work together, we are a whole lot stronger. You know that saying, stronger together? Well, the body of Christ is stronger together. So in 2018, let's work together. Let's not try to do it on our own. Let's ask God, say, God, how can we be involved in 2018 in the work of the ministry here at Clear Baptist Church in the Roanoke area? And let's labor together. It requires construction, compassion, communication, contention. But I want to share with you lastly from verses 10 through 12, this final thought. Sowing the message of salvation requires consecration. Sowing the message of salvation requires consecration. Now, this is something that is highly neglected in the modern church today, but it's something that needs to be shared. Verse 10 says, 
Ye are witnesses, and God also. How holily and justly and unblameably. Check it out now. The word holy, the word just, the word unblamed. Those three words. Take note of that. Maybe underline them or, or make a middle note. It says, we holy, justly, and unblameably behaved ourselves among you that believe. As ye know how we exhorted and comforted and charged every one of you as a father doth his children, that ye, excuse me, would walk worthy of God who hath called you unto his kingdom and glory. When I read these verses, I thought about that verse in the New Testament where it said that if we preach the gospel, we are called to also live the gospel. How can we preach something that we don't practice in our own personal lives? So verses 10, 11, and 12 are a reminder to us all today that as a child of God, we are called to live separated, consecrated lives for Him and His honor and His glory. Why are we to do that? Well, so that the gospel will not have an ill reproach to it, so that people could come to know Christ as Savior, so that people could see our lifestyles and see our actions, to see the words and hear the words that are coming out of our mouths, and to say that, hey, there's something different about this person, there's something different about this man, there's something different about this woman, and I want what they have. Wouldn't it be great if that's how we lived our lives in 2018? You cannot sow God's word in vain. I want to close with a verse of scripture, and I want you to turn there. Isaiah chapter 55. Isaiah chapter 55. And I want to read a few verses here, verses 8 and 11. And then we'll have a time of prayer and we'll be done. Isaiah 55, verses 8 through 11, and I love these verses. It says, For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, saith the Lord. Verse 9 of Isaiah 55 says, For as the heavens are higher than are the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. For as the rain cometh down, and the snow from heaven, and returneth not thither, but watereth the earth, and maketh it bring forth and bud that it may give seed to the sower and bread to the eater. Verse 11. So shall my word be that goeth forth out of my mouth. It shall not return unto me void, but it shall accomplish that which I please, and it shall prosper in the thing whereunto I sent it. You cannot sow God's word in vain. I close with this question. In 2018, are you willing to sow God's word into the hearts of others. Hey guys, thanks so much for tuning in to the Jumpstart Your Faith podcast channel. As a token of my appreciation for you listening today, I would like to give you my free ebook devotional called Jumpstart Your Faith, 30 Days to a Renewed Faith in Christ. Just go to www.pastorbrianratliff.com to download it. Please be sure to subscribe to this podcast channel to listen to more messages like today's. And if these messages have been helpful to you, please leave a review. If I could be of any help in your spiritual walk, please let me know by emailing me at pastorbrianratliff at yahoo.com. And one last thing, if you're in Roanoke, please consider joining us for one of our worship services at Clearbrook Baptist Church. Until next time, may God's blessings be upon you and have a great week.